Saul was king. Why was Saul king? Is because the people saw Samuel was getting old. And he had some sons, and they weren't doing business the way they should do business. Kind of to follow in his footsteps. And all these other places around, they had kings, so the people was getting farther away from God, and they were wanting a king to rule over them. So God said, okay, we can do that. Now, this shows that these people, you know, they said, well, Samuel, you're getting old, and your sons are crooked, and everybody else has got a king. We need to have one. That was one thing that it showed for the people of Israel is it had more faith in men than it did God. So God said, we'll go ahead and do that. And Saul comes into the picture, and he's a big, tall, striking man. He's got the look. You know the look, right? And he is king now. But on down through his time as being the king of Israel, he gets to this place that God gives him something to do. And what he did is he told him, you know, go to the Amalekites and you got to destroy them and everything about them. Don't leave no stone unturned. You kill them. All the the men, women, and children, you kill their livestock, anything that's there, don't even keep a tent or nothing. Don't keep nothing, destroy them from the face of the earth. Am I right so far, guys? Hanging in there? So Saul and his dudes go to do that, but they do one thing. They kill all these people, but they spare the leader of the Amalekites, Agag. And they spare some of the livestock too and some of the riches. They didn't do what God told them. And so God tells tells Samuel, he says, you need to go talk to him because he didn't do what I told him. And so he goes and he goes to talk to him and he lets him know. And what Saul does, and this is the point I'm trying to get to, is Saul takes and says, but you know what? We took these things And we kept these things so that we could offer sacrifices to God. Showing that his mind that the sacrifices to God was more important than his obedience to following God. He thought he could go and play church and do these kinds of things and him and God was good. But God said, no, I have some specific things I've laid out. And you didn't do them. And what, what happened? The anointing left him. Because God said, I'm not going to put up with this. I need you to do what I tell you to do. I don't need those kinds of sacrifices. I need you to do what I've asked you to do. And, of course, we get on down what we was doing in uh, Esther this past month and on Wednesday nights with Brother Randy and And it goes back to where Agag was hooked to those folks. Right, Brother Willie? Now, had they done what God told them to do, then there would have been some things about Esther that would have been a little bit different. But it wouldn't, so that's here, not here, or there. It is what it is. But it it goes to show that God gives us something to do. So, here we are in 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 1. And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Now, 
Here's Samuel who did what God had wanted him to do. And, and when the people wanted to have a king, he, he went along with it. And now he's mourning over him. And so God here is basically, you know, slapped him upside the head and said, let's get on because he's, you don't worry about him no more. It's over. He's no more. I need you to do what I want you to do. And he goes on to tell him, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. And I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him and they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come, with me, come to sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab the son, uh, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the thing look at things people look at. People look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Aminadab, and he passed in front of Samuel, and Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then the, had Shammah pass by, and, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said unto him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all your sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Well, you know, he had like eight boys and two girls, so I mean, <laughs> my mom had a hard time with four of us. You know, by the time she got to the end, I was everybody before she got to me. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm going to do the same thing with my kids. I can't make fun. My grandma did it with them too, so. But, he said, he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him, and we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. He had to go through all of that before he got to the right one. This was a young fellow. He was out there attending to the sheep. Jesse done forgot about him. Maybe, I guess. And that wasn't the ones. Samuel was looking at an outward appearance of what these people were supposed to be, and he said, surely this has to be the one. I mean, this guy's been a prophet for God for a while. He, he kind of knows when he's, you know, ah, but we don't need to be at that place that we kind of know always what God's thinking, right? There's a lesson here. Because today he says, ah, oh, we'll do it just this way. Amen? What happened last week, God might not do this week. He might do it a different way. But I can tell you this, he's got your best at heart. So this young fellow comes in, he looks good, he looks like the one, and whenever God tells him to stand up and anoint him, he does. He goes on down through there to say at that time, that's whenever the blessings, the glory of God departed from Saul. 
Yeah, he's turning the boat. He didn't do what God said. He'd been, he'd been messing up for a while. But it finally, the chickens come home to roost. God said, we're going to do it this way. Now, we also know that in Hebrews, that God says that he let us know about King David. Mentions him that he was a man after God's own heart. Tells that he was this anointed one. And so we got to look in something here, and I got to looking at this. I've been chewing on this for a bit. I was like, what is it about David that's so great? We learned back at Christmas that his lineage came through David, the house of David, right? The Bible tells us so. The Bible's right. First and foremost, there's no contradictions found in here, folks. Anywhere we see a contradiction or what we think is a contradiction, it's time to start praying and looking because it won't contradict itself. The Word of God will never do that. Amen? Thank God for that. That's why we got folks in different churches around because there's contradictions that's never been solved because men have so full of themselves they don't want to solve it. Amen, Brother Ken. But we find out there's something about this young man who had something going on because God was able to see his heart. That's the key there. You see, I could have come in here this morning dressed up in blue jeans and cowboy boots with a hat on and my old dirty gardening shirt that's got mater stains all over that won't come out and could have preached the same word this morning, but maybe for some they wouldn't be able to receive it because I'm not fitting the mold that's supposed to be. Amen? And that same kind of mindset and that same kind of thinking takes us to where we start categorizing people who can receive salvation. It's that same kind of thinking that gets in us. I was talking with somebody yesterday that was trying to help somebody with something. And the question was, well, what do I say? What does the Bible say was my... That's what I always try to do. When somebody asks, I try to say, well, what does the Bible say? I can tell you what America says. I can tell you what mom and dad taught me growing up and my family taught me, and they may have even attached a little Jesus stuff on the side of it. But what does the Bible say? When somebody's asking you and you're a Christian and they're coming and saying, what should I do because I don't know and they've been praying, the first thing we better do is we better pray and then we better find out what the Bible says. Not what America says, not necessarily what everybody says might be the right thing to do because it may not be the right thing according to God's word for that individual situation. But I can promise you this, God has the answer. Amen? You're facing something today, God's got the answer. We just got to find it. We just got to be able to hear from him and listen to him. And so with that being said, we have to walk through this life depending on that. We have to depend that God is sovereign and that God has all those answers. Amen? There's nothing we'll face that he can't lead us and guide us through. And so in Psalm 62 and 6 says, Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him in all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. That's 
what David wrote in Psalms. I'm trusting in the Lord. You see, we can sit and, and we, can ask, I, we can ask ourselves this question. You ask yourself this question is, do I depend on the Lord? Do I depend on the Lord for my marriage? Who I'm going to marry, and as we go through life together, am I going to depend on the Lord for this? Am I going to depend on the Lord for my children? I may want Megan to grow up and be a doctor, but God says I don't want her doing that. I need to be dependent on God to lead her where she needs to go, who she's going to be with. It doesn't matter. Do you depend on the Lord for your needs? You see, he was looking at David because he was a man after his own heart. He was looking at his heart. He didn't look at his outward appearance. He was a shepherd boy. He was a little kid. But he anointed him as king. And so we want to see what was inside of that heart. Do we depend on God for those things I mentioned or do we constantly worry about how they're going to work out? This is not casting the stones. This is revelation. Because I'm going to tell you what, everybody in here, if we was honest with ourselves, we do some worrying. Some more than others, but we don't need to. You see, the problem lies whenever we get to where America and mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and everybody that's been around forever and a day says, well, that's just how it is and we're supposed to look ahead. I don't think so. We can't contradict what the Word of God says. What did Jesus say? Can any of you... By worrying, add a single hair to your life. He said that in Matthew chapter 6 in the Beatitudes near the end. So if mom and dad and everybody else in America says, well, that's natural and normal, we take God and say, well, I don't think you know what you're talking about, God. Amen? Hey, I'm in this boat with you, folks. I'm worrying about whether or not you're going to keep me on as pastor when I get done today. But I shouldn't. And it don't make it okay. You understand what I'm talking about? I know it's a little joviality here or whatever it's called, being jovial, but you see what I'm talking about. I remember my dad growing up. Whenever he went to the job, man, they was mixing coal and for these different kinds of things. And every day at supper, he was wondering, are we going to have another order to fill? Because if not, I don't go to work. And they'd get an order and it'd be good for two weeks or maybe two months and they would be working hard and overtime, you know, seven days a week working like a bunch of crazy people. And then they would get to the end and so say, we haven't made a contract yet. We don't know if we got an order or not. He'd start losing sleep. He'd start getting grumpy. He'd start worrying. Now, I can't sit here and throw stones at him. I know what it's about. But I also know what the Word of God says. And whenever it was time to fast, that's when I need to be getting to the place that I can overcome these kinds of things. Amen? It's normal. It happens. But it ain't necessarily okay. Do I, can I get an amen? We agree with that. God's telling us how not to walk in this place of being scared all the time. So he depended on God. See, the world says to worry. Jesus said, don't. Let me tell you something, folks. The difference lies in this. Do we follow the example or do we follow the instruction? Jesus still loves us no matter what. Amen? He loves me, and I don't understand why sometimes. He just loves me. He loves you. 
You know what? Jesus is with me 24-7, 365. He's with you 24-7, 365. Amen. I was talking to somebody yesterday at a ball game, and I said, you know what? Thank God he loves us. Because we need him to love us. We need his long suffering. We need him to cleanse us. And if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus that God could look at me and see this perfect human being, he sees Jesus. There's no way I could do it. Because not following what God tells us is sin. Amen? So we worry. We shouldn't. And if we live at the place where that's just okay, then we only, the only thing we do is we take a lot of things away from us. We don't live with an abundant life like God told us and said that he would give to us. Do it my way and you have abundant life. Do it your way and you're going to lose a lot of sleep. You're going to have heart problems. You ain't eat too much because you worry. You think I worry? And I've been fasting. He had a heart of obedience in Psalm 40 and 8. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. In Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And you may be sitting there going, if he was so obedient to God, how in the world did he step out of the palace down to the lady in the bathtub called Bathsheba and all that mess happened? How did it happen if he was so obedient to God? I don't know. Because he is a man that was born of flesh. That's how it happened. That's why he had a lot of mistakes, but he had one thing that was going on. You see, King Saul, whenever Samuel came to him, he made excuses. He blamed somebody else. He had, well, this is a religious thing we're doing here, and God wouldn't bind it. What did David do? Read Psalm chapter 51. We're not going to do that, but make that in your notes and read that today. Read it over and over and over until it gets inside of you because that's him talking with God. You see, the sin that happened in his life was so great. The sin that happened in his life, it tore him up inside that when he came to God, he saw what it did to God. He hated the fact that this sin hurt God. That's what was going on. He saw that. He couldn't change what had happened. It done happened. Well, God had something going on with him. He must have had some forgiveness happening because he continues to mention him all throughout the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament and says, by the way, your Messiah, your Mashiach, has come through this line of this king, the one who I have chosen. Yeah, he was obedient to God. He fell down. He had a man killed because of what happened. But it tore him up so bad inside, instead of him making excuses for it, he went to God seeking forgiveness. That's where I have to be. We have to be today. Oh, God, help me for the shortcomings in my life. How, How many times have I given Jesus a black eye because I haven't? You know, I haven't hit the big major sin. There, let me tell you something. There ain't no big major sins and no little bitty sins. Sin is sin. It is what it is. And without the blood of Jesus, hell will be our home if we don't invite him into our hearts. 
And we have to try to live for him. Let him work inside of us and make us to where our lights can shine and people can say, I want what you got. That's why Ken don't throw stones. I try not to throw those stones to you. I've seen a lot of people down. I know where I've been and I know what the blood of Jesus has done. And so we work through it. So how do we answer the questions when people ask us, what does the Bible say? Because the world may say something totally different. What does the Bible say? That is the authority. Amen. So he had a heart of obedience. He had a heart of dependence. And he had a heart of servanthood. In Psalms 89 and 20, I have found David my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. You see, servanthood is humility and practice. You show me somebody who everybody says is such a humble person and they ain't serving Jesus and serving others, I'll show you a hypocrite. Boy, that got quiet. We have like 8,000 amens on that one. Servanthood. Servanthood. What exactly is servanthood? To be a servant means to perform the menial tasks no matter what they are. To be a servant is to go out and do the things and do what God has asked us to do no matter who gets the credit. Think about it. To be a servant, you have one goal and one goal only in mind. And that is to see that your master receives all the glory. Whether it's polishing shoes, washing the floor, preaching, maybe a TV evangelist, maybe somebody's well known. Let me tell you what, when you get to that place, you better hope you have some humility. Because you can get puffed up and you can fall quickly because God is not going to share his glory with nobody. It will not happen, and you think he was bad on Saul, make sure you stay humble. That's why we've got to stay with one another. That's why we've got to do what God has given us to do. That's what servanthood is. And David always, always, always pointed it back to God. Here this young man is. I mean, let's call him 16. I don't know. Maybe some of you Bible scholars know. It probably tells. I don't know. The Bible didn't say it, so it ain't that important to me. I know it was young. But here's the thing. He comes in. Now, now get this. They sent for him. It doesn't tell how long they stood. They may have to stand around there for three or four hours before they got to sit down waiting for this boy to come in. What does he do? He comes walking. Hey, what's up, Pop? Sees all of his brothers decked out to the nines. They're getting ready to be king, hopefully. They know what's going on. Here he comes in smelling like sheep. Got his old clothes on, probably sweaty because, you know, it's hot over there. They didn't have... Aired extra dry back in those days. They had locker room. We had some kids over last week at our house, about nine of them boys, all on that 12, 13, 14-year-old range. And I'm going to tell you, if we didn't shut the door going downstairs, you better not eat before you started down because it was right. <laughs> because they had a lot of fun, though. They played ball and all. You know how boys are. Love them to death. Maybe we can do it again soon. Where was it? Oh. So he comes walking in here. 
And this guy says, you're going to be king. And he bends him down and he pours this oil on his head and anoints him. You're going to be king. I'm anointing you king, young man. He is so mature with this. You get this. What does he do? He goes on back out and watches the sheep. If it had been me, I would have been heading on down to Jerusalem and see what kind of palace I was going to have, been making up new business cards. Hey, I'm going to be king. He didn't. He went right back out to the herd. Whatever you want. He was sent back out to watch over those sheep. God had called him to watch over those sheep. That's what he was going to be doing. You see what I'm talking about? You know, I don't want him glory. No, it's to God. I told you I was going to sit with you. Be like the radio. You don't need to see me. Just hear. You see, he didn't, he didn't receive what a lot of folks would receive. You know, he, didn't, he wasn't looking for me. He wasn't looking to receive a pat on the back. You know, you can go over there and serve in the nursery this morning. And we thank the Lord for those of you that are doing that. We need more. You want to serve? There's a way to serve. These folks up here in the sound booth, you know, they've been sick. George has been working. We need somebody to learn that so that we don't get caught one Sunday with nobody to do it. Now, we can still have church whether we turn the system on or not. Amen? All we need is the Word of God. And read, and we can sing, snap our fingers, stomp our foot, whatever we want to do. But we have that. It'd be good to be able to use it, right? God blessed us with it. So this is an opportunity. If you, This is 20%. You can serve with the children. You can serve by learning this up here. Brother Jeff and Brother George would be excellent teachers to help these guys out. That was a plug. A servant. David was a servant. That was what was going on in his heart. So, servant's heart, obedience, total dependence upon God. Jesus said in Mark 9 and 34, But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. You want to be first in God's eyes? You got to be the servant of all. Let me get that for you. Let me help you with that. It becomes our way of life. And then people can see who Jesus is through us. In Psalm 78 and 70, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep and brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. He had integrity in his heart. You know what integrity is? Somebody blurt it out. Huh? Honest. She's been paying attention for 76 years. Honest. 
God said that he was honest. It's in the word of God, and therefore it's true. I had a conversation. You know, there was a football game last week. You remember that? There was two of them, but one of them was a one that made a lot of... Mm. Brother Dave, I was with you on that. I was rooting hard, son. But one of the teams, and it's been determined, cheated. Now, you want to know how people in America are talking? They've been all over the news today, sat with some folks around a table in a sports place the other night and listened to the conversations going on, and everybody said, well, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. So what you're telling me is, is you can cheat as long as it's going to, you're going to win anyway by large margins. But what if it would have been a three-point difference? You see where mindsets have gone, folks. Cheating is cheating and wrong is wrong, and that's not integrity. But he did what was integrity. Amen? Now, I know you've got opinions on it. Keep them to yourselves because it's football, and I don't want to discuss it because we'll just get mad because it's this. They cheated. Period. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so that didn't mean a whole lot to me, but yeah, Sister Carol. But you see what I'm talking about where our society is? We start deciding, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. I mean, my goodness, they put new balls in in the second half and they beat them by 28. No, that's not what matters. They cheated. They didn't know how the game was going to go, but they got caught. I don't know who knew it. I don't care. The organization. But they did. David had a heart of integrity. He fell down a lot. He'd done some things that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But I'm going to tell you what. The Bible has never, ever glossed over the errors of people. You know why? Because whenever you start glossing over the errors of people, it starts becoming about them and not about God. And the thing about God is, is I can have all the errors in the world, but Jesus Christ shed his blood for me that I can be seen that I don't have these errors. Amen? The Bible don't do that. That's why you see that about him. That's why you see Paul falling out over John Mark because he was a little kid and didn't stick with him. And him and Barnabas split up and he was full of the Spirit. Amen? Now, he went back later on and made it right. That's why we see all the examples in the Bible of people who were not perfect. God don't want you to be perfect. He ain't looking for your perfect heart. He's looking for your willing heart. I believe there was a place in the Bible where Jesus said, where are your accusers, woman? You remember they had stones? Well, they're not here. Well, then neither do I condemn you. Now, let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ can say that, you and me certainly can. Amen? That's the kind of heart he's talking about. I got a question for you. Brother Danny and Sister Allie, could y'all play us something? We we called it audible. We just changed it at the line. Our time of fasting this time, hey, she's coming too. Praise God. Come and sing, sweetheart. I'll help you with the steps. I don't believe she needs help. You can't say no to that, boy. I'm going to tell you what. And can I tell you how cute that was? Look at that face. Look at that face. But you know how cute that was? 
That's exactly how Jesus Christ sees you and me. Whether you're two foot tall and got dimples, whether you're six foot tall, 150 years old and got wrinkles, that's what he sees. And we'll reach up and let him help us. Let him lead us and guide us. Let him cleanse us. Oh, just think how life will be. In our time of fasting, it's been to get closer to God. Getting closer to God means the mirror comes up. And when the mirror comes up, God's saying, I love you so much. I want you to look just like me. Let me work with you. And if you say no, he's going to still be there as long as you're loving him and you're trying. You see, he wants somebody who's striving. Amen. Got a question. You ask this of yourself. I'm, I'm going to say it with the word you in it, but ask yourself. You look in the mirror to the guy or the gal in the mirror in the next several weeks or days. I hope this sticks with you. And ask this question. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? You two getting ready to get tie the knot soon? Stand in that mirror and ask that question to that guy or that guy you're looking at. What's in your heart? Brother Gene, you've been around a long time. You've done a lot of preaching. I didn't mean it that way. But you know what? You ain't done yet. You ain't done yet. You haven't been called to heaven yet. You still got work to do. And you got to look in that mirror every day like I do and everybody else in this room and look at that guy or that guy and say, what's in your heart? So if you'll stand as they come and they're going to sing us something, y'all good? And you just think about that. Think about all the times that you know what, you would have let throwed somebody out on their ear, but thank God said, no, I love you. Because he saw something in your heart. He said, I can work with that. I can make that work. Amen. Amen. Open up windows of opportunity for them and give them boldness, Lord. So they can let somebody know about Jesus. Let them know they don't have to know everything. They don't have to be a scholar. All they got to say is Jesus loves you. He died for your sins give them that boldness Father so that we can be about the work that you have for us to do keep peace and comfort in these families Lord those that are homesick that couldn't be here today we lift them up to you right now Father to bring healing to their bodies that we can share that testimony too we thank you for the testimonies we have Lord help us to have the courage to share them so that we can give Jesus all the glory for it's in his name we pray Everybody said, Amen. God bless you all. Get somebody a good Jesus hug.